I invite you to remain standing as we read the resurrection story of our Lord Jesus Christ. Let us hear these holy words. Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the tomb. So she ran and went to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved, and said to them, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have laid him. Then Peter and the other disciples set out and went toward the tomb. The two were running together, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent down to look in and saw the linen wrappings lying there, but he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came following him and went into the tomb. He saw the linen wrappings lying there and the cloth that had been on Jesus' head, not lying with the linen wrappings, but rolled up in a place by itself. Then the other disciple who reached the tomb first also went in, and he saw and believed. For as yet they did not understand the scripture that he must rise from the dead. Then the disciples returned to their homes. But Mary stood weeping outside the tomb. As she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb and saw two angels in white sitting where the body of Jesus had been lying, one at the head and the other at the feet. They said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, They have taken my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. When she had said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you looking for? Supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned and said to him in Hebrew, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said to her, Do not touch me, because I have not yet ascended to the Father. But go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord. And she told them that he had said these things to her. This is the word of God for the people of God. We say a word of Easter greeting to all of you here in the sanctuary, as well as those watching on television and online. A special word of greeting to those in Perryville and Princeton and Pine Bluff, as well as those in our respective hospitals and nursing homes across the state. Now, one quick announcement, as we have talked about for weeks and weeks now, originally the start of our Habitat House build was to be tomorrow. However, because of the tornado and those who helped build the Habitat houses and their responsibility in helping those who have been displaced, that has been postponed for a couple of weeks. As soon as we get the exact dates, we'll let you know. We still have a Habitat house to build, and we will do it very soon with your help. We want you to know that. I am grateful to be able to celebrate the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ with you. Let us pray. O oh Lord, in the silence of this moment, prepare our hearts and our minds to hear your word for us this day, and work your will in our lives. Amen. In April of 1994, Susan and I got up early to go to the doctor. It was her last appointment before our son Sam was to be born into the world. We had to leave early because we were some distance from her doctor. 
That doctor had delivered our daughter, Rachel, and we had since moved, but still liked and appreciated him so much, we continued to use him, though we had to drive some distance. We went to the doctor and he said, it won't be long and this baby will come into the world. We went to lunch and we started back home early that afternoon. Shortly before we arrived at our house, as we literally drove in front of the church that I was serving, the wind started blowing, howling. It got dark very quickly. Tornado sirens went off. And Susan said those words that sent me into a panic. John, I'm about to have this baby. I said, there's no way we can go back to the doctor and to the hospital that we're used to seeing. We have got to go to the nearest hospital. And with tornado sirens blaring in the background, with hell falling from the sky, in the midst of an afternoon when it was already dark, we made it to a hospital. I was panicked. The hospital itself was in emergency mode, preparing for the tornado. It was a terribly frightening, scary moment in our lives. We arrived at the hospital and with unfamiliar surroundings, not knowing any of the medical personnel, they ushered us in. And the doctor on call came to Susan and me right away and said, don't worry, the Lord has brought you to me. I thought, well, that's a rather interesting thing to say in the middle of a tornado with someone who's never met us. He was very calm, very self-assured. And in a few hours, our son Sam was born into the world. We had been in a state of despair. We were panicked. It was dark. We were filled with dread and fear. And in the midst of all of that, there was an assurance, a sense of calm in this doctor. After everything turned out fine, when it was time to go home, he came in to check Susan for the last time and said, congratulations, you're welcome to go home. And I said to him, I cannot thank you enough for being such a calming, reassuring presence for us in the midst of great fear, darkness, and despair. He said, I told you, the Lord brought you to me. I have never forgotten that experience. It was a time of uncertainty for us. What do we even do next? What's going to happen? Where do we go from here? And there was this voice that made it all okay. Mary gets up early on the third day, Sunday morning. It's still dark outside, says the scripture. Now that means not only is it early enough that the sun has yet to rise, but it also means that there is despair and gloom and dread all around. And Mary goes to the tomb to anoint the body of Jesus. But when she arrives, there is no body she rushes back and she tells Peter and John who rush to the tomb and look in. 
but they don't really understand, and they quickly go back home. But Mary lingers. And while she looks into the tomb, she sees an angel, one at the foot and one at the head of where Jesus' body had been lying. Woman, why are you weeping? Who are you looking for? She is overcome with grief. There is darkness and despair. What have they done with the body of Jesus? When suddenly Jesus himself appears, and with that calming, assuring voice, he asks, woman, why are you weeping? Thinking he's the gardener, she says, what have you done with his body? Give it to me and I'll take care of it. And then the resurrected Christ says, Mary, calls her by name. And immediately she knows who he is. And she runs from there to tell the world, I have seen the Lord. The greatest message in human history uttered from her mouth that Sunday morning. It means, of course, that darkness does not have the final say. That death and despair are always followed by hope and assurance. That light and life will conquer sin and death. And the good news will shine for the world to hear and see forever and ever. That is what we believe on this Resurrection Sunday. In the midst of uncertainty and fear, there is great hope and assurance because light and life and love always win. It didn't appear to be that way on that Friday. We know how the story goes. Jesus is arrested as though he were a common criminal. Having done nothing to harm anyone else, they scream that he is to be crucified. He's tortured and he's mocked and he's spit upon and he's laughed at and he's ridiculed and they crush a crown of thorns upon his head to mock him all the more. He is stripped, and he is placed on a cross, having been nailed to the wood. His side is pierced. He is dead. Did everything that Jesus promised die with him? Was this all just kind of a joke? Was this somebody who had a charismatic personality, who was charming, persuasive, but nothing more than that? Is that where it all ends? With a resounding, no, we understand that on the third day, Jesus Christ conquered sin and death forever. He is risen. He is alive. We have seen the Lord. That is when love gave birth to life. Now, Mary Magdalene's encounter with Jesus is extraordinary because the very first word Jesus speaks when he is resurrected is woman. Woman, why are you weeping? There are other times in the Gospel of John where Jesus speaks to a female starting the conversation by saying, woman. It was not a term of derision. On the contrary, 
It was a term of love and affection. Do you remember Jesus has a conversation with a woman at a well? She's been married five times. She's now living with someone who is not her husband. And Jesus says to her, woman. There is a woman caught in the act of adultery. She is to be stoned to death. But Jesus says to her, woman, I don't condemn you. She is the recipient of an extraordinary level of forgiveness and grace. And the woman at the well would go on to be the first evangelist. Jesus even refers to his mother as woman as he's hanging on the cross, writhing in pain. He says, woman, here is your son. In other words, Jesus says to his own mother, John, the one disciple who is at the foot of the cross, is now going to take care of you. The term woman for Jesus was an expression of extraordinary love. And the first words that come from the resurrected Christ, the first word is woman, to marry. The first person to tell anyone in human history, he is risen, he is alive, I have seen the Lord. That is when love gave birth to life. It is the understanding that Jesus Christ's love is so great, so powerful, so mighty, so strong that nothing and no one can defeat him finally and ultimately. He is the greatest source of love that has ever walked the face of the earth and nothing and no one can conquer him. That's what the resurrection means for us. It is the linchpin of the Christian faith. Everything else about who we are and what we believe hinges on the truth of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Resurrection means that everything that Jesus said and did was honored and true. It means that all those ancient texts that describe someone who was coming in the world were fulfilled in Jesus Christ himself. He is vindicated, killed as a criminal, as another worthless human being. He conquered all of that and has proved to us that not even death itself can destroy who we are. We are gods. We belong to our Lord who is risen, and as a result of that, we know that great gift for ourselves. Resurrection does not have room for death and darkness and despair. There is no place for it. That is the kind of powerful love that we know in and through who Jesus Christ is. Francis of Assisi was terrified of people with leprosy. He was repulsed so much so that he refused to look at people who were suffering from the condition. But one day, as he was walking down a road, there was a leper walking toward him. Immediately, he drew back as he had always done before. But for some reason, this time, Francis turned around and ran and embraced the man with leprosy, hugged him as tightly as he could. And when he let him go, he turned around and began his journey. And after taking just a couple of steps, he turned around to see the reaction of the man whom he had just hugged. 
only to discover that nobody was there. How can this be? It is that moment when St. Francis of Assisi came to fully understand the power of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. He believed that he, in that moment, had an encounter with the resurrected Lord that would forever change his life. We believe that Mary had an encounter with our resurrected Lord that would forever change human history. That is what we believe. That's why the church is still around. That's why this volunteer organization does so much good in the world because we believe in a power greater than ourselves that drives us to do things we wouldn't do otherwise. We believe that love gave birth to life when Jesus Christ walked out of that tomb, fully alive, having been completely dead. The Apostle Paul reminds us that nothing can separate us from God's love, not even death. Jesus himself said, I am the resurrection and the life. Those who believe in me, though they die, yet shall they live. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. And Mary, such a simple statement from a woman who had demons cast out of her by Jesus a woman in a culture where women were to be silent is given the task of sharing the greatest news in all of human history. There is no greater word than we can ever hear, ever proclaim, than he is risen, he is alive, I have seen the Lord. In 2009, something extraordinary happened in Tiananmen Square in China. In the middle part of the 19th century, Chairman Mao declared Christianity to be dead and buried forever in China. But in 2009, early in the morning, a huge portrait of Chairman Mao was pulled down. And in its place was a gigantic banner on Easter Sunday morning that said, he is risen. So much for believing that you can bury that which is alive. We are a people who understand that the one whom we bow down before is greater than anything or anyone that seeks to destroy him and his message for the world to hear. How is it that those cowardly disciples who all hightailed it out of town as quickly as they could, who denied him and betrayed him and abandoned him, how is it that those same disciples would one day, all with the exception of John, who had the responsibility of caring for Jesus' mother, how is it that all of those disciples would die for the faith? What happened to them that they would go from such a cowardly state to a willingness to die for Jesus Christ? They had an encounter with the resurrected Lord. How is it that this man by the name of Saul, who went out of his way to persecute Christians, to see that they were either imprisoned or put to death, how is it that this Saul would become 
the Apostle Paul, the greatest evangelist the church has ever known. What happened? He had an encounter with the resurrected Christ on the road to Damascus. How is it that in the early days of the church, there were Christians everywhere who were willing to face imprisonment, stoning, beheading, being thrown to the lions, being tortured for the sake of the good news of Jesus Christ? What happened to those people? They believed that they had an encounter with the resurrected Christ. Why is it today in the world in which we live, the church does so much good when there seem to be so many things that are bleak and dark and so much division? How is it that we continue to accomplish so much good? Because we believe that we emulate the life of the resurrected Christ, that he is a visible presence among us today in a variety of ways. And when we do good and we see that good, we see his work and the love overcoming darkness and death time and time again. Diedrich Bonhoeffer, the great German theologian, was imprisoned for trying to overthrow Hitler. He was one of the few pastors in Germany that actually stood up to Hitler. When Bonhoeffer was going to be put to death two weeks before his camp was liberated to mark the end of the Second World War, that morning he had a worship service that he led and he talked about the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And he quoted these words from 1 Peter. By his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. After preaching and after reading that passage of scripture, the guards came and got him and took him away. He was hanged, killed. And as they carried him away, Bonhoeffer boldly said, it is the end. But for me, it is a new beginning to life. Knowing he faced death, knowing he was going to be killed in a matter of moments, Bonhoeffer summed up the resurrection message of Jesus Christ. It is the beginning of life. It is when love gave birth to life, a life that never ends, a life that can conquer all that seeks to destroy. That's what we believe. We are resurrection people, you all. It is the greatest message we could ever tell anyone ever in the world. See, up from the grave he arose with a mighty triumph for his foes. He arose a victor from the dark domain, and he lives forever with his saints to reign. He arose. He arose. Hallelujah. Christ arose. Hallelujah. Amen.